What if your next team workshop delivered the results you hoped for? What if everyone believed that the working session was a valuable use of their time and felt inspired to take action? My name is Miriam Hatness, and it is my mission to help you to deliver workshops that work. Today with me on the show is Matthias Weidbrecht. He's a visual facilitator and a book author, and he has been in the field for almost 15 years. It is his mission to encourage the potential of others by adding a new dimension to the way we collaborate. And today I'm very excited to talk to him about visual facilitation and its benefits and the characteristics a facilitator needs in order to become a genius visual facilitator. Stay tuned. Hello, Matthias, and welcome on the show. I'm very excited to have you here today. Hi, nice to be with you. I am looking forward to learn more today about visual facilitation, as I'm always fascinated when I see the outcomes. So today I have the honor to talk to one of the co-founders in the field in Germany. You started 15 years ago already with visual facilitation. So That's right, yes. What is your story? What brought you to that field? Well, I, uh, I'm one of these persons that, that basically reinvented, um, I reinvented myself uh, twice in my professional life, meaning that I changed everything like from career to just anything. And before I entered this field of practice, um, I, I was working with new media back in the end of the 90s. I was um, one of the first to be an information architect. That's somebody dealing with huge amounts of information and making them accessible for human beings. And in the end, uh, after a few years, it was much too technology-based for me. I wanted to work with, with uh, people, organizations, and their potential. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I entered this field. I j- simply called a friend and said, hey, I want to work with you because I knew <laughs> this guy was working with uh, organizational development. And then I just um, combined it with uh, a visual skill that is basically nothing more than everybody has from his or her childhood. And I put these two together uh, in a beautiful way. And then I found out, oh, it's actually called visual facilitation and it's already there so it, it exists mm-hmm. it's a field it's a it's a practice and then i learned more about it and um i'm back in the day uh 2005 we were only like um two three dozens of people in 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 germany and in europe so um it has wow. exploded since mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful contribution to what's happening in the world and you just said that it's a skill that basically everyone has since childhood I can only speak for myself, but I guess I'm not the only one who would say, I cannot draw. How could I become a visual facilitator? Well, uh, it's not about drawing. That's the point. Mm-hmm. And here comes, uh, and, and maybe we come to the skills of a visual facilitator later. The point is that it's not about the picture or the visual or the image. And that is, is hard to 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 get and to understand because we are basically um, uh, being brainwashed by education, by the education system. So mm-hmm. there, everything in art uh, and in drawing, it must be beautiful. It must be a talent. It must be something like that. You know, it's, it's not, um, it's not really something that's um, about making meaning or about uh, processes or about solving problems. So uh, in the end, uh, visual facilitation or visualization is not art. 
and it's not illustration. It also doesn't come from that history. Mm -hmm. It can be very well seen if you if you look at if you compare it to art. There, it's about um, a talent or uh, creating something aesthetic, or it's mm -hmm. about which is not the point in facilitation. It needs to be on the point and the right thing in the right moment, but it must not be beautiful. It's about the artist, yeah? And, mm -hmm. But in facilitation, it's not about you, it's about them. And I understand that it's not about the artist and it's not about the art, but I imagine that if you capture the minutes of a meeting or a workshop with something um, visual, it must also be attractive to look at. Yes, sure. It will be in the end, that's, that's just practice in the end. But mm -hmm. if something is beautiful and not on the point or right or the right thing, mm -hmm. or I, I, I don't uh, integrate the perspectives that are in the room, mm -hmm. then it can be as beautiful as it, as it wants to be, but it, there's no value created. So that's first comes point. the value and the yeah. process focus, and then comes in anything aesthetic or beautiful in, in, in later on. Because also... You know, our brain functions like that, that if something is, is 20% beautiful or, or, or correct, even correct, mm -hmm. it already, um, your brain already uh, identifies it and know what it's about. So um, it's actually not about the accuracy here in terms of drawing. It's about the accuracy in terms of seeing what is and being content. What is. Yes. And this brings me directly to a question you said, you mentioned the word correct and I can see the huge responsibility of a visual facilitator to capture the content of a meeting in a way that everyone who looks at it without reading words would understand. So how do you deal with this responsibility and how do you make sure that the images you use represent the content the participants understand? Yes. Um, first of all, what is a facilitator without the word visual? Mm -hmm. I would say it's somebody who holds space and, and creates a safe container for people to come up with solutions. It's more yeah, than moderation. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's somebody, uh, because if, if people uh, talk to themselves and they have a meeting and they, they just say, say, like it happens millions of times every day, they say, oh, let's just talk and solve this problem. <laughs> Not facilitation. Then they have to hold the space and deliver the content at the same time, which is mm -hmm. difficult. That's why mm -hmm. holding the space is externalized. That's the facilitator. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the facilitator asks questions and is um, basically a professional listener mm -hmm. and then asks the right mm -hmm. open questions in order to, um, to uh, facilitate a process, facil make it easy, facil facilitate. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And um, then if you do this visually, it's even more effective mm -hmm. because uh, the uh, things come in that, that are a universal language like metaphors and metaphors, images, symbols, and so on. And um, they come automatically uh, also from experience. They come basically mm -hmm. intuitively also from listening because they're hidden in our language a lot, much more than we expect. And so um, basically when I'm in the room, I'm, I'm usually, um, I'm the chief listening officer, yeah? Because first <laughs> comes my listening uh, skill before I take a marker in my hand. You mentioned that um, it is difficult to hold the space and participate in the meeting at the same time, and I totally agree. And therefore, encourage workshop hosts and meeting hosts to have external facilitators. And I wonder whether you can facilitate and visualize at the same time then. 
or would the facilitator then just become a moderator and have a visualizer next to him? Yeah, every interaction in a in a room with people is is not only um, it, it, in the best case it's participatory. So we involve mm -hmm. people and let them do basically interact with each other and so on. So it's not only that there's a facilitator drawing at the same time and and, and being totally busy with that. Uh, it would be a huge challenge. We do that a lot, but we also involve the group in a participatory way. Mm -hmm. So let's give an example. I would, I would maybe, uh, in order to solve a problem or, or harvest a, a, a spectrum of perspectives, I would work with visual templates. So it's like a, mm -hmm. something that's already visual, let's say a landscape or a matrix or something, or using a metaphor of a path that goes from A to B. And then I would invite people to fill it in. So uh, mm -hmm. while they speak, I would harvest it, but the, the frame is already there. So, so that's, that's already a visual facilitation uh, tool I would use without uh, being talking and drawing all the time uh, uninterruptedly. So that is one example how this would work. I would uh, encourage people to put their meetings on the wall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, instead of just talking and having the verbal uh, flow of information only, maybe with some written minutes that nobody reads in the end, mm -hmm. I would encourage people to, to put their meetings on the wall. What does it do? Our brain works like that, that the, the last piece of information seems more important than uh, that's one day ago. Mm -hmm. Or uh, our brain functions additionally in, a, in the way that something that, that shouts loud or has a bold voice seems more important than a tiny whisper. Mm -hmm. Both mm -hmm. is not true. Now put it on the wall and you have the big picture and you see all these little pieces and your brain starts to network the information and it's another meeting. It's a much more value workshop, value, um, high value workshop if we, do, if we work like that. And we force participants to really agree on one image representing the word because very often we use labels but we have mm -hmm. different understandings about the real meaning of this label so i can imagine that as soon as you put it on the wall with a picture then you need mm -hmm. to get the buy-in from the group because if someone has a different understanding they need to shout it out right away that's right and usually it's not me that comes up with the picture or the metaphor mm -hmm. so uh, as a facilitator i don't force things on on people but i let them come up with it And usually the metaphor comes from the group or from the workshop or from the topic that it's about. So it's something that's either hidden in their language or non-verbally communicated mm -hmm. or is simply in the room as a piece of information or energy. So do you think that the group as such needs a special skill in order to perceive metaphors and to be sensitive to metaphors to qualify for a visual facilitation? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Like, <laughs> there's nothing required there. They can mm -hmm. just be as they, uh, as they are and how, who they are. There's always symbols and uh, pictures and uh, metaphors involved in every, every single piece of communication that humans put out. Mm -hmm. And it, as I said, it, it can also be nonverbal. So they, they might even come up with something that they don't know they come up with it. But once they, once they see it, it mm -hmm. it'll be a, a good match. And that's, again, the skill of the, the non-drawing skill of the, of the visual facilitator to, to read systems, to recognize patterns, to see structures, to, to feel and sense a lot. Yeah? And then also come up with these uh, metaphors that are not from the facilitator, but from the group or from mm -hmm. the topic or from the larger context. 
And I can hear a lot of characteristics of a sound visual facilitator that you mentioned along the way. To summarize it or to put it in a nutshell, what is what are the skill set that a visual facilitator would need, according to you? Yeah, this is an interesting interesting topic that that moves the uh, this professional field of visual facilitation and, and graphic recording and so on a lot these days because a lot of illustrators come in and say, I can draw as well. So <laughs> they come in and, and think it's about drawing uh, and even the clients think it's about drawing. And mm -hmm. No, in the end, it's not. It's, this is a discipline that has been invented in the early 70s in the, in the West Coast of the US and then moved uh, across the globe. And it's actually, um, yeah, it's a group facilitation uh, practice and This means the whole facilitation mindset of, um, as a facilitator being, I start with, some, with my own um, in, interiors. I need to be grounded and I need to have a, a self-perception and I need to let go of control and mm -hmm. basically uh, also be uh, like a, have a humble, bowing down uh, attitude of surrender to what's happening. And I need to have intuition. Mm -hmm. So that's my interiors. And then what I do, my exteriors is I, I listen and I, um, I perceive and I have this perception of, of uh, a lot that's happening. I can filter the wealth of information, mm -hmm. summarize it, synthesize it, and uh, build metaphors, yeah? And um, I need to have a lot of integrity as well. Mm -hmm. And then uh, only then it comes to drawing. Yeah. So if I go out into the group then and into the system, that, that I need to re be able to read a system and, and recognize patterns and and also be able to structure them and um, compile them and work with them. And I need to be able to know what processes are, recognize them and mm -hmm. visualize them. So Do the larger big picture, the whole big picture view mm -hmm. of something, yeah? I need to be a storyteller maybe. Yeah. And then comes all the, the meaning making and the value creation, purpose work and so on. And only then come draw, comes drawing. So if mm -hmm. I don't have that, I'm not doing a good job or a less good job. Makes total sense. And I see the, a big challenge, and maybe I'm naive, with respect to very specific, maybe technical areas. So if there's a workshop or a meeting about something very specific, how much background knowledge do you need in your field to really capture and understand underlying information? Uh, not so much. First of all, also one of the uh, skills I, I mentioned, which uh, which I didn't mention, is that I need to have a lot of uh, general knowledge across industries and, and across, mm -hmm. across disciplines. Yeah, But uh, in the end, I prepare for a job. So I, I, I go and the specific, I, I learn them and get to know them through um, preparation with the client. Mm -hmm. But then in the end, people talk about the same things, no matter which industry. <laughs> They now uh, we come to these uh, clients and they all talk about digitalization and, mm -hmm. and new work and all these things. You know, it, it's not so much um, uh, of a difference. So there's always very similar uh, topics and processes happening. So in the end, uh, what I have through my experience of all these years, I have like a huge puzzle in my mind with many puzzle pieces that mm -hmm. build to a larger picture and I can draw from that mm -hmm. when interacting in a, in a new setting. Are there specific workshops or meetings that qualify or exclude from the possibility of visual facilitation? Well, in, uh, I have a funny saying, uh, which is, uh, who is uh, my target group? Who are the cl typical clients I work with? Who Who's are they? my audience? Well, it's everybody who has meetings. 
So it's everybody. <laughs> there's some truth in that. Of course, I can't uh, uh, work like that, but there's some truth in that everybody who has meetings that matter or mm -hmm. that uh, or conversations that matter also, that's mm -hmm. a saying that we use in our industry, uh, things that are really important and where a sustainable, really long-lasting um, uh, value creation or, uh, or impact or effect uh, is um, desired, that qualifies for this. No matter mm -hmm. the topic, if I, it's about cooking or it's about uh, business transformation or mm -hmm. going to the moon, doesn't matter. Would you also use it in your private environment? <laughs> I totally use it all the time, yeah. That's fantastic. How do your counterparts react when they see the summary of your conversation visualized? Uh, in this case, I don't use it for conversation so much, but I use it for vision building or actually what we call manifestation. Mm -hmm. We human beings, we want something, be it an individual or a group or a workshop or um, a, a, a dialogue of two people. Uh, we want something, we have wishes, we, we want to go from A to B, but we don't know how. So how mm -hmm. do we manifest a desire or a, um, a wish or a reach? How do we really reach a goal? Mm -hmm. Well, if you use visuals, uh, it's much better. So, and that, I use it for that a lot, yeah. And it's much better because you have a new, literally a new perspective, or is it so effective because we can get it out again and put it in a place maybe where it's more apparent to us, where we cannot avoid seeing it. Thinking, for instance, of a goal that I want to reach. Yeah, it's a mixture of all because uh, I, I, the, the, the physical act of taking a pen or a marker and writing something down or drawing something does something to our brain and our mm. internals, even to the, to the act of moving. Uh, you also get a lot of ideas if you stand up uh, mm. and walk around. You yeah. don't have them when you sit. So, and this physical act already creates something. Then, um, then to externalize an interior also is, is a manifestation, has a manifestation power. And then if you, if you go and visualize it with symbols and, and metaphors and, and um, pictures, it gets stronger, it gets more universal. And it, because you can uh, then go and feel, feel uh, how it would be if you have reached that goal or... Um, that vision. And if you feel something, that's the path to manifestation. Thinking doesn't work. Thinking is good to create it, but not to manifest it. So this is a, like a multi, multi uh, discipline uh, practice in the end, but I use that a lot. And multi-central. And I like what you just mentioned that the pure fact of getting up and walking around already affects the way we think. When you mentioned before that you're trying to put meetings on the wall, I immediately thought of the picture of having the workshop or meeting participants getting up of their chairs, walking to the wall and joining the, this creative process. And also this combining with the effect of writing um, that manifests better. I once read a study about um, taking handwritten notes as opposed to typing notes. And these researchers found that when we type, we tend to remember less the content because we tend to write steno, but we are not doing this conversation into our own words or our own pictures. So what you just said totally resonates with me. And now I feel inspired to try it out myself one day. Yeah, yeah. I think it's for everybody. So everybody listening can, can go and try out these things. And 
remember it must not be beautiful and and in the mm-hmm. in the beginning it's just for you nobody will see it but it it it'll have its impact and it's beautiful to to witness before we continue the show let me take a brief moment to thank our sponsor session lab are you using excel or word to prepare and schedule your workshops try something that is designed for facilitators With an easy-to-use drag-and-drop agenda builder, SessionLab allows you to be free and creative in your workshop process design. SessionLab also comes with an immense built-in library of workshop activities and facilitation techniques to help you to find new inspiration for your sessions. Stop messing with spreadsheets and focus on designing engaging workshops. Try it as SessionLab.com. I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't believe in its value myself. I would like to come back to something that you said in an earlier Skype meeting we had to prepare this conversation. And you said that we cannot reduce complexity. So um, maybe to put it in a context, I thought that visual facilitation helps to reduce the complexity of the content of a meeting or a workshop. And your reply, correct me if I'm wrong, was that we cannot reduce complexity but the skill or the art is to make it more digestible. That's exactly right, uh, just uh, the way you say it, yeah. Uh, in the end, uh, it's very universal. We cannot reduce it because it, it has been all, all, always there. Since mm-hmm. the Big Bang, there's a rising complexity and not only a, a tiny one, but an exponential one. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there was this one cell being and then uh, on, uh, just next day, it was a two cell being. Complexity rise 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also the rise of possibilities through that. So uh, complexity is not the enemy. So, but to harness it and to work with it and not to be overwhelmed with it, mm-hmm. that's the challenge. And uh, visuals help, many other tools help, uh, like uh, we have a wealth of productivity uh, tools these days. In the end, everything is there out there in the world, how to manifest, how to be successful, how to deal with complexity. People just need to do it. And that's the challenge. And that's a question how to structure this complexity to, yeah, to avoid overwhelm. I like that. Is there a risk of over-reducing this complexity or to make it too simple or forget maybe important building blocks. So what are the drawbacks of visual facilitation? Once you're clear why you do something, it's never the danger or the purpose of why you, let's say, meet with a group or do a workshop or have a meeting or want to reach a goal. If you start with the why and not with the what or with the how, you're Mm -hmm. always on a safe side. Mm -hmm. Remember so, this famous book from Simon Sinek, start, always start with why or something like that, it's called. Yeah, so yeah. this counts for basically every aspiration or project. Would you investigate on this why before facilitating the workshop? So would you have a pre-meeting with a host to really get clear what the why is? I had a, work, um, a podcast recording yesterday with someone who organizes very large brainstorming sessions. And he explained that the more accurate the brainstorming question is the better the outcome. So I hear something similar from what you just said. Yeah, that's beautiful what this person said because the, the, it, it's actually an art to ask uh, good questions. Yeah, So that's very important. But uh, in the end, uh, there's always a preparation. Why are we asking these questions? Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, there's always a preparation where I use this. What's the purpose of this meeting? Why is this actually happening? Why are you having these people in this meeting or in this workshop? What's the best that could happen? Um, so there's, there's always a, a, higher, um, a higher aspiration or a higher goal why uh, somebody wants to have these people sitting together. Mm. So I need to know this. And, and then my, my subconscious can actually work and do the right things. If I know mm. this and I have no, sing, no single preparation besides that, no agenda, no content, I could do a good job because I know the why. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. Did it ever happen that the, when seeing the visualization of the meeting or workshop that the group got totally new epiphanies and understood or really found a new perspective on their issue? Through the use of visuals? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm flooded with such experiences all the time. This happens all the time. And it's, it's very fulfilling. It's very beautiful because I, I can do, I can really deliver value. Yeah. Can you give an example? Yeah. There's a, imagine a typical change project in a large organization. Mm -hmm. It usually starts with a pilot group. And if they do it well, uh, the pilot group is cross-disciplinary and cross-function and cross-non-hierarchical. Uh, um, yeah? mm -hmm. So we have this group and they want something and they have these tens of thousands of other people or more that they, in the end they need to reach because they, they are trying to, do a, to start a huge change process. Now, they do a good job in their, in their meetings and so on, but then they need to reach the next level. Mm -hmm. Let's say the first level of the leadership. So how do they do that? just by standing in front of a group and talking, it doesn't work so well mm -hmm. as if they would use visuals. And then they, um, through that, they have um, the group grows and the, the circle of influence grows because they suddenly, the, the second level uh, of leaders that, that uh, comes after this first group, using that visual, they can explain it to the next level. Mm. And again, and maybe on the, uh, in the process of doing that, The visual is refined and the input of all these people is being built in. So it's a participatory process. In the end, it's all from them and not from somebody at the very beginning. And then so on. And in the end, maybe we do a little explanatory movie and show it to the tens of thousands. And, uh, and we have um, communicated something in a very beautiful way. And they even think it's from them. And it is. <laughs> So this is very sustainable and this is something that supports such projects in, a, in an unseen way. And um, yeah, as I said, it's very fulfilling work. So what are the exercises that you would incorporate in such a visual facilitation or how do you guide the group towards visual facilitation? Yeah, I'm coming back to what the, your other uh, interview partner said. Um, asking asking mm -hmm. qu good questions is really... Um, Uh, key here yeah mm -hmm. so uh, always start with the why but then also in the end invite perspectives invite um invite uh, also a, a mindset uh, of something that builds a future or something that contributes to the solution so invite like a glass is half full uh, attitude and so on so there's a lot that can be done through questions mm -hmm. What I hear is that you're rather guiding a discussion instead of doing creative exercises or even games with the group. Yeah, not so much, rarely. It's, it's actually um, doing a really good facilitation job, visually supported. Mm -hmm. And it's not only in one person. I can have a facilitator and we co-create this and I do the mm -hmm. visual part. 
or vice versa. Yeah. So depending on group size. But um, as I said, the, gave the example with the um, with the templates I use. We can have such a template or a visual facilitator or graphic recorder can draw something mm-hmm. in the moment in, in front of the eyes of the group. So very, very visible. And then um, I can give uh, post-it notes to people and mm-hmm. a marker. Mm-hmm. So again, it's participatory. They do it. And then I have a prototyping approach. I think it's only like a version 0.5, which we have created and which now sits on the wall. It's not the end result. And mm-hmm. now uh, I invite people and the intelligence in the room, intelligence in the room to amend and complete it. Mm-hmm. So they come with the post-it notes and stick it where they think it belongs. So again, it's very participatory. It's an invitation and it's from them. So mm-hmm. meaning that uh, the why and what we are creating is very much deeply landing in people because they do it. It's not top down. It comes from them. And this answers also another question that I had in mind regarding the neutrality of the visual facilitator. Because if you invite the group to provide the input for the visualization, then you're not running into the risk of overinterpreting or putting your own perspective and understanding into the visuals. How do you see that? This risk yeah, it's the... basically a facilitation, uh, even without the visual uh, add-on uh, skill set, uh, the, the so-called facilitator neutrality, that you are not having a solution in mind that you would want them to stick to or find or so on, or that you don't tell them what to do. A consultant would do that, but a facilitator mm-hmm. won't tell them what to do. A facilitator mm-hmm. will create the container for them to come up to do mm-hmm. so a facilitator is not somebody who has a, a hidden agenda or something and also not um it's actually a skill to not um be too much biased yeah in having so, like a, an a- ecological person in the room and uh, somebody from a government in the room that wants new um, oil fields or whatever you know everything and bringing these two together Mm-hmm. So how do I do that? There's always something higher that both want to go for. For example, a better world or a better life or something, to to put it very general. And to bring these perspectives together, mm-hmm. but without being on one side, and it requires training. Absolutely, because I think the interpretation we're doing, although we are requested to translate without interpreting, is a very thin line and it's easier to, at least that's how I imagine it. Um, it's easier to walk the thin line with words because they can remain vague than with pictures that are very clear. So I feel that for visual facilitation, it's much more difficult to keep your own interpretation out of the translation process. Not necessarily because uh, as I said earlier, the the metaphors and the pictures that are in the end landing on on a piece of paper they usually come from the group or mm-hmm. or from the general underlying context uh, even nonverbal so it's not necessarily um, something that I uh, throw in from myself in my role. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice to someone who wants to test the field, test the waters of visual facilitation? 
I would say uh, start with yourself and uh, have the courage to draw and to do something. Maybe uh, in the safe space of your office, uh, prepare a flip chart and then uh, take it under your arm when, before you go to the meeting and bring it in. It, it'll have, have its results and it's much better than doing it uh, live uh, in front of the group for the first time. Mm-hmm. So just test it and, and see uh, what it brings to, to your work. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said earlier, uh, put your meetings on the wall. <laughs> I really like the sentence. Put your meetings on the wall. Could even do a, a song out of it. Um, hmm. From your experience, what is it that makes a workshop work? Yeah, it's inviting many perspectives, many voices, also the tiny ones or the nonverbal ones, and building building something higher out of it, like a a higher perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's basically bringing together workshop tools and so on with the right purpose and the why that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. maybe visually. Mm -hmm. I immediately had to think again um, of introverts when you said uh, bringing in all the voices. And uh, when I think of introverts, these are usually the voices that are not heard in very noisy, exciting, gamified workshops. And I can imagine that through the visualization process, um, they get a louder voice. Do you have experience? Yes, it's, it's actually um, happening. I, I have very clear uh, pictures that come, or memories that come to my mind from workshops when you mentioned this, because I have the experience that... Um, Uh, there's this tiny voice and this person uh, that, that just says half a line sometime during the day. But then that person sees that the graphic recorder, for example, puts it on the wall and write, writes down that comment and that half a line. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens? It does something to the interior of that person. And that mm-hmm. person is changing in that moment where the person sees, oh, what I said is valued and it's seen. Mm-hmm. And it's landing there and it stays there on the wall. So the person is transformed in that very moment, very unconsciously. And the voice gains a little more momentum. Beautiful anecdote. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you usually do in workshops to get the energy back? So what is your silver bullet in workshops to make them work? Yeah, I would, I would also maybe come back to the why and uh, if the focus is lost, let's take that example. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's like a fragmentation of, of discussions and of um, energy levels and so on. If I come back to the purpose of the meeting, it would help the group to focus and to, to, to basically uh, pull together the energies into one direction. And how would you facilitate that? I would start with the why and the purpose of the meeting at the very beginning of the meeting. So basically mm-hmm. this is why we come together or why are we coming together? I would, I would ask the question in the room and, and build a, a shared, um, a shared understanding of that mm-hmm. and put that on the wall. Mm-hmm. So it sits there. So once there's a, this fragmentation of energy uh, or an energy loss or a non-focused situation in the group, I can simply point to that purpose on the wall and bring the group back together, ideally in seconds. Mm -hmm. How often would you use the um, pen and paper for your visualizations? Or would you use an iPad and digital tools and a projector? 
or I would almost all the time use the the the, the pen and paper. Mm-hmm. It's actually it's much larger in size. Yeah, it's tactile. People can go and touch it, and they 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 see a huge space occupied on the wall um, and uh, in in the room, and that the whole uh, tactical physical. Um, media does something to people a lot yeah mm. it, it, it really really works and then uh the projector yeah maybe i would do it uh digitally if if it's needed as a digital version mm-hmm. like I, with the paper i would need to to take a picture retouch the picture uh go to photoshop edit it and so on and then it's ready but with the digital version on on a on a graphic tablet or iPad, it would be ready immediately. If I mm-hmm. if I necessarily need it immediately that very moment, I would use that. Mm-hmm. But it's also not so ideal on the projector because um, it can distract people a lot. Mm-hmm. And facilitator, we don't want to do that. True. Good we point. want people to stay with what's really um, what really matters, and it's not some moving icons and menus on a screen somewhere. And yeah true and it might just remind them that they want to check their own phones or their own screens yeah and we don't want to go there yeah Mm -hmm. no that's true if someone from the audience um fell asleep after minute one and just woke up what would you like this person to take away from our conversation Yeah, even in a very modern world that's very digital and fast-paced, the old um, ancient um, tool of visuals works more than ever. Mm-hmm. And it's an invitation to try it for yourself, to use it with a group and to to doodle and do it yourself and put it on the wall in your meetings and see what happens. You'll be surprised. Nice. Thank you very much, Matthias, for your time and for sharing your experience. I learned tons about visual facilitation uh, and might practice now in my own with my own wall to put my own meetings on the wall. Great. Sure. So if someone wants to learn more about you, read your book, find you on social media or hire you as a visual facilitator? How can they find you? Well, the main website is visualfacilitators.com. There's an S at the end. It's not visual facilitator, but visual facilitators because I have a a team of 25 and we do this like really on a large scale Mm -hmm. everywhere in Europe. So visualfacilitators.com. Yeah, that's where you go. There's also trainings. There's... There's also the book there. Basically, we have other websites, but this is maybe the place to go. Uh, and on um, social media, it's similar, visual facilitators. Um, yeah. Great. And I will put it all in the show notes. And maybe I we will be lucky to see a visual facilitation, a visual representation of our conversation. So excited. Great. Thank you, Matthias. I wish you a Sunday. Thank you, Miriam. Bye-bye. Thank you for staying tuned and listening to the show. I appreciate your attention as I know how busy you are. If you enjoyed it, 
Please subscribe and engage by sharing your comments and thoughts and visit workshops.org to download the one-page summary. I'm looking forward to seeing you back at the next episode and I wish you a fruitful day.